Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Remen Wholesale. Expand your market with Remen Wholesale's renovation and non-QM lending products. Both renovation and non-QM can make and save deals. Remen Wholesale provides the knowledge, expertise, and complete support needed to get renovation and non-QM loans to the finish line. Let Remen help you close more deals. Get connected by email us at partnerships at aimgroup.com today. Welcome back, everyone, to a another edition. Um, I love saying that because this is so much fun to do, but another edition of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I am the president of AIM. Today, I'm really, really excited. I'm always excited for these. I know I say the same thing over and over, but we have an extremely high producer here, uh, you know, and it's always good to hear from these high producers of, of how they go about their business and whatnot. Uh, so today, I'm going to be interviewing the broker owner of Progressive Financial Services Corporation, Nick Utesh. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, you bet. Nice to be here. Awesome. Awesome. No, I, I appreciate your time. I know I can't wait to, to hear what you have to say. I mean, obviously you're a high producer, but I, I love finding out people's background first. Like, how did you get started in this business? Um, I'm still waiting for that first person to say, I went to college for mortgages, but I, I don't think I'm ever going to find that. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear that myself, too. I'm sure you get a master's in finance and not have a clue what's going on in this business. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So give, give me the rundown. Give, give me your background. It's kind of a wild ride, actually. So um, I started in this business uh, indirectly about 29 years ago. So I'm 43 right now. And uh, I got into the, the mortgage and the note industry back in 1992 when I was 14 years old. So um, wow. yeah, yeah. And I, I started off actually as a discounted note broker. So there's like a secondary market for seller finance real estate notes and things like that. And so we would, I would work with investors that bought those real estate notes and they'd buy them at a discount, you know, and then they uh, did that on the secondary market. And I use that as a vehicle to help people finance homes. You could do like simultaneous closings and things like that. But, you know, back in the day, I actually grew up uh, in a farming area in rural Iowa and kind of, you know, in a wonderful family, but in a family that didn't have a lot of good financial means. And so uh, I had a, I had a goal and desire to buy a stereo that was like, 1200 bucks or something like that back in 92 when I was 14. And uh, I had worked some farm jobs in rural Iowa and did some things to try to earn that money. And uh, at the end of the summer, I actually was short. I only made like three, 400 bucks. So I was like really depressed and like, oh man, I didn't get my stereo and all this kind of stuff. And so I saw this like late night TV infomercial come on of all things uh, late at night, right before school was getting ready to start. And uh, this, this dude came on, it's like, hey, you know, anybody of any age can make money in the discounted note industry and send me 200 bucks and I'll send you 20 tapes and, and cassette tapes back then. It makes me feel old, but and two, uh, and two manuals about the uh, discounted note industry. And so I thought, hey, this is my ticket. I'm going to use this to you know, make some money and buy my stereo. And uh, I remember vividly when that happened, you know, like the, the actual cassette tapes and the two manuals came the first day of my freshman year of high school. And uh, it gave me, you know, I listened to them all and it made sense. And uh, back then in that industry, there was no licensing requirements. So that was nice. You know? I mean, anybody of any age can really do it. And, uh, but it gave me a good base, but it was kind of, you know, it was cheesy and, and, you know, it didn't give you all the tools you needed, but I, I kind of pounded the pavements. You know, I, I used, um, I was really resourceful. I used like the fax machine at the library in town and, you know, went and used their computer because we didn't have a computer in my house. And, uh, it took me about a year, but I ended up closing my first deal when I was 15, you know, and my family all at first, they thought I was kind of crazy and 
all this kind of stuff. But once I got that first check, they were like, whoa, this actually worked out, you know? Right. And then my, my priorities had shifted in the course of that year to where I was like, all right, so that stereo, I want a fax and I want a copier and I want a computer. And so that's where I, I, I dealt my money into the business to build it up. And, uh, you know, by the time I was 16, I was, I was actually closing a couple deals a month. And, you know, when you're in high school, it's a great income. And, and uh, I was kind of on my way to kind of learn in the process, was you know, speaking at some national conventions, sharing my story. And, and then I met somebody uh, when I was actually about 17 at a convention in San Francisco that was in the actual mortgage brokerage industry. And uh, they're kind of similar to the note industry. And, you know, I was really intrigued by that. And she kind of kind of walked me through a few things. And then when I turned 18, I actually became an originator. Really? Okay. And, uh, yep, yep. And so that's when I started originating. You know, because legally you have to, you know, be of, of legal age to do it and all that kind of stuff. But um, that that was a big shift for me. You know, I mean, it's a lot. The discounted note industry was a little bit more challenging. You know, because it's not as big of an industry. It's harder to find a business. But um, you know, I started from scratch. You know, when I was 18 in Iowa, and ended up right after high school. Uh, when I when I finished school, I wanted to move to a big city. And one of my best friends got a full ride to the University of Oklahoma, and so I ended up in uh, the Oklahoma City area. And uh, and it'd be a great place to be. You know, I came down there in '97. It's a, it's a very balanced market. Um, it's growing, and and that's where I started to build my business. And uh, you know, and I've turned that into to where I'm at today. So now, did you? So so back when you were in Oklahoma, is that the time you started Progressive Financial Services? Yep. So Progressive, I formed that in 1996. So right after I finished high school. And before that, I was a different entity as my my discounted note industry that I was in and everything. But yeah, the entity itself, Progressive, has been around since '96. Wow! So that I love to hear that. So you know, straight out of high school, you just you, you did it. You started yeah. your own business, and, and it's and you actually made it through the bad times too, huh? Those those dark 08, 09 days. A absolutely. You know, the crazy thing about 08, 09 is in Oklahoma City, we really didn't have a downturn. Um, you know, we saw maybe a price reduction of. I would say maybe 10% on average, you know, so nothing crazy. The, the biggest thing I remember about 08, 09 is the days on market was a really long time. Yes. You know, somebody puts a house on the market, it would take five, six months to sell, you know, nothing like it is right now. Um, but that's the benefit of being in a market where we don't have the big appreciation. You know, we don't have properties going up in value like 40%, 30% a year. It's kind of a slow and steady pace. And I like that because then you don't have these big peaks and valleys like your coast and, you know, other cities that really experience that. And when 0809 happened, that actually started the best years of my career because I never focused on subprime. I wasn't doing the stated income. I wasn't doing all that kind of stuff. I was I was mainly doing the Fannie Freddie and uh, government stuff. Like I'm really big on VA and, and that all, you know, when when everything went away and the people were focused on subprime, the people that were focused on the traditional agency stuff were doing well because a lot of people got you know pushed out of the business. So. Interesting. Okay. So over at Progressive Financial Services, give, give me the breakdown of it. Is it just you? Do you have loan officers, processors? What does your company profile look like? Yeah. So, you know, I'm the main producer. Um, I've got a few loan officers that are wonderful. Um, you know, and uh, a couple of them actually have transitioned over the last year or so since the beginning of the year to be my, my uh, loan partners. Like they're helping me also some of the loan officers that don't do as much business. And it's been a great tool for them to kind of learn the industry and also, um, you know, the process flow has been a big help to me. So I've got, uh, as far as loan officers, I've got a total of um, four licensed loan officers that work with me, but, you know, I do about 95% of the volume. And then uh, I've got one contract processor. So he doesn't work for me, but it's like a contract processor that, that does all my files. And uh, that's kind of our setup. 
Perfect. I, you know, easy. That just sounds yeah. easy. I love it. Yeah. No physical office. You know, I haven't had a physical office. I've been paperless since literally, you know, like the early 2000s. And that's been a huge thing for me, you know, is, is uh, once we got rid of the paper facet of it, you know, I, I decided there's really no point in having an office years ago. And so it's been I, I don't know, more than 10 years, I think, since I've actually had a physical office, too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. A lot of, a lot of my people, they, you know, they work from home. Um, I have a couple offices that we, we rent out. So just in case they do need to have a closing or they do need to meet someone, they, they can, they can always go there. But yeah, I mean, paperless and working from home, it just seems to be the way of the future. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep your overhead down. You know, that's the key. You don't want to, a lot of people go crazy and, you know, have huge payroll and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the key to this is just keep it simple, you know, and, and that way you focus on keeping your profit margins high and, and uh, you do well if you do it that way. Love it, love it. Okay, so let's talk about your production here. You're a pretty high producer, wouldn't you say? I do a fair bit. <laughs> it keeps me on my toes. Okay. So, uh, so, so tell me about some of these numbers here. Do you have any numbers that you that you want to throw out? Or so last year was a record year. You know, like everybody had a record year last year. Um, I did end up doing about 464 deals last year. And tricky thing about last year was, you know, and I'm, I'm in a low balance market. So that equated to about 110, $111 million I did. Um, but, you know, the, the trickiest thing about last year is I had no assistance last year. So I, literally that production was me and one contract processor. So it was, um, you know, we were, we were kind of locked down for the whole COVID thing. So I didn't have anything better to do, you know, than work. But it, it really was a challenge, you know, because I mean, you're when you're doing that, that kind of volume and just keeping everything straight, most of my business purchase, it uh, it was definitely a tricky year. Um, this year, you know, we're uh, we're going to be down a little bit this year. I think, you know, looking at it, I don't have the final numbers until you know we get done with the year here. But I think it's going to be about 20 percent less than where I was at last year. I think my dollar volume will probably be pretty close to 90 million. And I think I'll finish out the year somewhere between 370 and 380 deals. And, a lot of that um, last year was about 25% refi, 75% uh, purchase. This year, I'm, I'm probably going to be real close to 87 to 90% purchase. So most of the reduction I've seen is just the refis going away. So okay, so the, those are some pretty big numbers that you're talking about there. So what do you what do you credit these high production numbers to? You know, I mean, I've always focused on the purchases, um, and no matter what what the refi times are, you know, doing this for 29 years, you know, total with the note industry. I, I didn't want to focus on something that's so cyclical where you can get focused on refis and then have the market dry up on you and then you're stressed out. So years and years and years ago, I, I decided I want to be a purchase money guy. Um, you know, for me, you know, when you look at the longevity factor, you know, I, I'm probably somewhere around 4,000 deals I've closed. And so my big thing is you take care of the golden rule. You take care of your client. You close every deal on time. I mean, we literally never miss a closing. And I know that sounds cliche. But you don't, there's no excuses. You just get it done and, and you make sure you work your stuff in advance so that way you don't have stress and you get those out. And, you, and if you treat people well and, and you know, they, they remember you for that, then that's a goldmine because those people come back to you. Their kids come back to you. Their, their family comes back to you, their friends. And, you know, I, um, I, I wasn't great about using CRMs and things like that until probably, I would say, about nine, ten years ago. And then I uh, got set up on top of mine at Surefire, mm -hmm. which um, I like their platform. You know, I know everybody's got their opinion of different uh, CRMs, but I use their post-close follow-up where they get the postcards in the mail and, you know, the, the monthly emails and things like that. And I have noticed an uptick in that, you know, eight to 10 years, wherever it's been that I've been using that of my repeat clients coming back to me. 
and people, you know, that that's really compromise or com that makes up a lot of my business. You know, I would say the other portion is is my real estate agents, which I love my realtor partners in the Oklahoma City area. They're, we've got great relationships. A lot of them I've been with for you know 10 to 15 years or more. Um, but I'd say that the breakdown is usually somewhere about 50 to 60 percent of my clients are previous clients I've helped or referrals of them. And the other 40, 50 percent are the real estate agents I deal with and, and just have a great team and we love working together. So, yeah, speaking of CRM, I tell everyone all the time, there's they're all good. Let's just be honest here. They're all good. It, it depends on what you put into it, but you have to have one. It's it's yep. so important that you have to work your, your current book of business. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm kind of, you know, frustrated with myself that I didn't do it earlier. Because it's one of those things, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But it'd be interesting to see what would have happened if I would have started that early on in the process, as opposed to you know eight to ten years ago. So, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, well, hell, if you're if you're closing four thousand deals, you're a little. I mean, three to four hundred per year. Do you have a pretty rigid process in place and procedures for your files? Kind of, kind of walk me through that, because um, I think sometimes, uh, you know, I think simple. I love simple. Sometimes mm -hmm. I think we complicate things, but I just want to hear your process if, you, if you're closing that many yeah. deals. Yeah, so I mean, this year has been a lot in changing my process, actually. I've been working with a coach, uh, Jen DuPlessis. Uh, she's a, a good gal out there, and um, she helped me kind of, you know, make sure I'm focusing. My big thing why, why I worked with Jen is I wanted to free up some time because last year was really, really difficult on me. And, um, you know, so we went through, like, how can you get some team members involved to take some stuff off your shoulders? So the the process we've started this year, you know, like like, I have uh, my team members will request the the initial disclosure package. You know they'll they'll get the uh, the document request out to the clients. I use Flowify if you're familiar with that. You know we use that to collect the documents from the clients, and then um, and then they they kind of take over. They make sure that uh, that they get the documents back on time. They're ordering the appraisals. Uh, big thing right now. You know everybody has pains with the appraisals. Fortunately, I've got an amazing AMC that's based in Oklahoma City that we haven't had any issues with. But, uh, you know, we are ordering those appraisals as soon as we're legally able to, you know, once those disclosures are signed that day, we get those appraisals ordered up. And that's that's been a big help for the purchases because you get that started off early in the process. It's going to help you if you do have some delays with that. You know, same with the VA appraisals, you know, like I'm the number one originator of VA loans in Oklahoma for the Scotsman Guide for the last three years in a row. We do a lot of VA and everybody knows VA is backed up right now. We are ordering those up, you know, the second you possibly can and you get those done early in the process. But, um, you know, as far as uh, the way I used to do it, I used to do everything. I mean, I would gather the documents from the clients. I would, I cleared all the conditions. You know, I've got a contract processor, but I had him actually submitting the loans, dealing with the title companies, getting the insurance and stuff. But I would be the one clearing the conditions. And so that's why it was such a challenging year, year last year. But now I've gotten to, over the last few months, I've got my team members actually helping me now where they're staying on top of the conditions and I'm not having to, deal with that quite as much, which has helped me be a little bit more productive in getting to my prequals and the other people that I need to talk to. And that's a better use of time, you know, because I was spending so much time clearing and, and clearing conditions and hunting down docks all day long. Wow. Yeah. So, so, and then, and then the closing side of it, who handles that? So on the closing piece, I still am kind of involved in the closing piece. Like that's what I'm doing right now today. I've got, you know, a bunch of closing tomorrow, make sure, but, or tomorrow and Friday where I've got all the figures to all the people. Um, the wholesaler I deal with is great. Um, they've given me my, my own underwriter that I've actually worked with for 10 years. She's devoted to my files. So we get to prioritize a work day with that. And then they've got a devoted closer that does all the doc prep CDs and all that kind of stuff. So once that's all balanced out, I'm the one that kind of, it's kind of the glory moment at the end. You know, I, I send the figures to clients say, 
hey, here's your final numbers. Make sure you get your certified check. This is your payment, you know, and what the first payment due date is. And that way you kind of are the one with the, the one that left the last, you know, the last final figures and all that kind of stuff. So I'm still handling that piece. Yeah, I mean, still to this day, I've always said I refuse to not go over the closing figures with my client. Yeah. Regardless, I I mean, you're right. That's the last impression. That's the last time they hear from you. You can hear it in their voice if they're happy or a little confused. I mean, it's, it's a great way to close, close out the deal. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important, you know, and then you want to make sure people have those figures in advance. You know, I always try to get them at least a couple of days before closing so nobody's rushed. Um, you know, and then, and that way, when they get to closing table, there's no surprises. Everybody knows what to expect. And, uh, and it's a smooth day. I mean, you can have, we have a lot of days where I'll have eight, 10 closings in a day on a Friday and, and literally no drama, you know, it's, if you get your stuff done in time and in advance, you just sail through the day and don't have any phone calls about that stuff. Drama, drama free is a good thing. <laughs> I, I love, <laughs> you know, you never can avoid all the drama in this business. You know, I mean, no matter how long you've done it, you're always going to have some kind of surprise. But uh, but it's just, you know, you deal with it as a role. So, well, so with, with this book of business that you have, was it just was it just slowly over time? And then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I'm closing three to four hundred deals a, a year. Or did you was there something that just kind of just spurred it? And you're like, oh, my God, I wish I would have done that earlier. Well, you know, the interesting thing for me, like one of the biggest things that helped me when I started off, like when I first moved to Oklahoma City in, in you know, 96, 97, uh, I started buying internet leads in 97. And that was a completely uncharted territory back then. Man. I right. remember I was, on, I was on AOL and I had some spam email in my AOL inbox. From, it's a company that uh, I think they're still around right now. It's the original company. It was called LifeNet Marketing, which I think they turned into iLeads or something like that. And they're actually owned by one of the big big you know credit bureaus or something like that now um but the, the nice thing about that is i think i can't remember the exact amount i was maintaining 40 50 bucks a lead back then but the closing ratio was unbelievable because you didn't have companies with a giant website present at that point in time you know and you didn't have everybody under the sun buying leads and i was hitting somewhere between 30 40 50 percent even on these leads for the closing ratio which is unheard of unheard of unheard of <laughs> so of course that changed over time you know i mean i kept buying leads and i i, I ended up you know buying leads from other companies and over time that closing ratio went down 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 you know the point where you're like man i don't know if a five percent closing ratio is even worth it you know because you're having to call so many people and hustle so many people but it was a great way for me to build that initial book and get out there and, and get that business so that was that was something i was real fortunate with buying AOL leads. I love it. I mean, that's just, <laughs> wow. AOL. Okay. An email, just have, you know, just a simple email, just have all the data and, you know, people expecting your phone call. Awesome, man. Still. Easy. Back when it was easy. No, it's still not bad. Um, okay. So one of the big things that you brought up here is, is your, your focus on purchase business. And, you know, mm -hmm. we, we talk about this all the time. I think I've said in this podcast, I think I've said in every, almost every one of my speaking engagements, when purchases come up, I said, that's got to be the lifeblood of your business. Refis, my eyes are just kind of gravy. So do you, I know you, you focus a ton on purchase, but do you go, do you make that a point? And do you go like overboard on it or is it just kind of less more or less like hey it kind of fell in my lap and i'm the purchase guy in my city well you know a lot of it is i'm pretty well known in my local market so a lot of it you know we've got a lot of those relationships with agents and my other clients and, and people know you know we're good at the purchase get them done you know and and one of the things to build your purchase business is is deliver perform get things done on time and people will notice we've had i've, I've picked you know, I met a lot of great real estate agents that I do a lot of business with because they've been involved on the listing side of the transaction. 
you know, they say, hey, man, that went really well. And, and actually, actually, we've had a few reach out to us and say, let's do some business together. And that's a great way to, to meet people because then they, they've seen the finished product. You know, you're not out there trying to pitch somebody on what you do great and, and how you do. They, you've actually proven it to them. So that's kind of helped. Um, we don't push refis at all. Like the, you know, even though I did 25% of my, my business with refi last year, that was completely 100% passive. That was just people calling me that were former clients. And honestly, I had so many refi requests. I'm sure I missed on a ton of opportunities last year just because I will never, the refis kind of put, got put on the back burner. And I know that those are easy deals to get done, but I cannot let my service levels drop on purchases. So the purchases would come first and sometimes take me, you know, three, four days to get back to people on those refis. And, you know, a lot of times they still go with me, but but you've got to, when you're, when you're focused on purchase, you've just absolutely got to make sure you're getting back to those people quickly because they're time sensitive, you know? And the other big thing too, like when I'm working with my team members is we're really trying to get these done. Once we hit that 10 day mark where you have to do the verbal VOEs and all that kind of stuff, that's when I want all the conditions submitted. So we, in my underwriter is usually on 24 hours per turn time. So we're usually completely done, you know, eight, nine days before closing. And if you, you get your purchase systems in place and you get that stuff done early, you know, even though purchases are a little more stressful because there's more moving parts, it's not that bad, you know, and you can really, really thrive on that. And you, again, you're going to make your partners and your real estate agents happy when you, you're like, hey, I'm clear to close. It's nine days before closing. And we got the CD out to the title company, you know. How did you resist the temptation to put refis on the back burner? I just, I'm so ingrained in purchases, man. I mean, because I know even though that I could have made a lot more money last year, if I would have even made a passive attempt or a small attempt, you know, like for me, again, I'm the number one VA originator in my market. I had all kinds of earls I could have been doing if I would have focused on that. But I knew that would distract me from from my bread and butter. And, you know, just like now this year, a lot of places are, are kind of cutting back because the refis are, are not as, as prevalent. You know, we, you know, yeah, well, we've had a reduction in volume. It hasn't been that big at all. And my purchases have stayed really steady, maybe slightly upticked on it. So, Well, kudos to you that you were able to see, you know, what's the saying through the forest you know what i mean and yeah. really really look and and say listen this refi boom can't last forever no i'm going to continue my purchases because when the refi boom is and it's slowly starting to taper off you know what i mean mm -hmm. once that's you're you're still rocking and rolling yeah yeah and there's no change just business as usual you know and there's always going to be inherent need you know no matter what the rates are you know i mean when i when i started off the rates were like eight percent you know, <laughs> yep. so a lot, of, a lot of people in the business don't realize that, you know, like in the 90s and stuff like that, your conventional rates were like 8%. I used to get excited when they got down to six, you know, and, and so, but you can make money, you know, with purchases in any market because there's always an inherent need. People are, you know, expanding their family, they're relocating to different markets, things like that. So there's always going to be an inherent need for people to buy and sell houses regardless of what the rates are. You know, it's funny you say that because like when I started in the business, which was, I think, 2001, I think the rates were around 7%. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, and I remember one of my clients, uh, he wanted to be the first to be below 5%. And he <laughs> You're like 4.875. Yeah. Like he paid like a $7,000 origination fee. I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, I, I disagree with it. There's no way they can go lower. So now when people start talking about, man, rates are, rates are getting pounded. I'm like, they're still great. Great. You know, and, and you, you, when you have those clients like, oh man, that, that 3.25, I just, I was hoping for something lower than that. I'm like, you know, you, you've got a rude awakening coming in the next few years with all the inflation talks and all that kind of stuff. You're going to wish you had that someday, you know? Yeah. Well, perfect. Okay. So one of the things you brought up here is, 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 and I want to talk about is longevity. 
You know what I mean? Because I know I know some people with what rates are doing are kind of uh, I don't want to say freaking out, but you know people are cutting back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's just life. So talk about the longevity that you've had in this business because you started a long time ago. You went through the dark days, um, even though they weren't as dark for you. They were really dark for a lot of people. But how how do you manage to like just adapt to changes that that happen through this industry and still push forward? Yeah, you know, I mean, so as far as like regulatory changes, things like that, you know, a lot of it, you know, most investors are doing webinars and things like that when you have big changes. So, you know, always sit in on that, try to keep up to date. You know, I mean, the the CE, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the continuing education each year, but a lot of it's helpful because a lot of times they address new things. And and uh, so it's important to stay on top of all those changes. Um, I was super nervous, you know, when we had to, you know, even when they redid the, the loan, I mean, not you know, like how you had the, the, the new GFE, I remember, what was that, like 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago, everybody's freaking out about the new GFE. And then, uh, you know, of course, we had the new LE and the CD. And, you know, at the end of the day, all those things, while they're challenging, you know, they they, they ended up being, in my opinion, better, you know, and, and, and I've, I've, you know, embraced it and all that stuff has, has been good to keep on top of it. Um, you know, but the, the big thing is just, you know, following following the trends, you know, making sure you're, you're, you're staying compliant and being up with all that. And, and then, um, you know, the other thing is too, you plan for a rainy day. You know, a lot of people, I grew up in a poor family, so I thought, you know, I needed all these material goods and super fancy cars and boats and all that kind of stuff when I was young. And I learned at an early age that, you know, I'm a happy person in general and that stuff doesn't make me more happy, you know? So you want to make sure you're socking away a lot of money for a rainy day, you know, and, and also looking at ways to build a passive income. You know, like one of the big things I focused on is uh, rental property. You know, I'm gonna I'm be closing on uh, some new construction duplexes here in a few weeks, and I'll put me up to 25 rental units. And you know, you, you personally, you yeah, personally, and, okay, yep, yep. And I have property manager that deals with all that stuff. But you know, the big thing is now I've got myself into a position. Uh, I love the business, and you know, I've done it for 29 years. I'm 43, so I'll probably be doing it for quite a few more years. But I'm at the position where my rental income covers all my my living expenses, and so that gives you more empowerment on your day to day. You know, so you can, you know, you're not stressed out about the the revenues or what's coming in, you know, and then you can focus on doing what's right, you know, the very best thing, you know, put your best foot forward for your customers. And, you know, you get some of the, the crazy people every once in a while, it's not too hard to let go of them, you know? So, right. so you also got to learn how to weed that up up front, you know, is, is you want to help everybody. And I, I do, I give everybody the same respect, whether you're doing a, you know, $750,000 purchase or you're doing a $100,000 purchase. But, you know, if, if the client doesn't, you know, have a mutual level of respect for you, you've got to learn to how to deal with that up front. You know, is this somebody I want to work with? So because those yeah. people can suck the life out of you. So. And I, I love how you brought up the, it was the new GFE, which is now the old GFE that no one uses. And, and you know, it, I always tell people, like, don't freak out. Because I remember when lender paid and borrower paid compensation came out, <laughs> everyone thought like the sky was falling. I mean, yeah. wait a minute, this, this could actually benefit us. And it truly did. It benefited 100%. us big time. 100%. You know, I mean, think about it. Because before we had to have a set compensation, you know, you were just kind of varying on each deal and all that kind of stuff. And I think most people, what, what year was that? Was that uh, 2000? I'd say like 12. Was it? Yeah. I can't remember the exact date. But, you know, everybody went in. And I feel like people set their 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 margin or their lender paid comp a little higher than they normally would have, you know, because nobody knew what to expect. And so that kind of became the new norm. And so that's one of the other things. Once that all happened and everybody was freaked out about it up front, 
I ended up, my, my comp probably went up 40, 50%, you know, because I set it at a higher level. And so at the end of the day, that ended up benefiting a lot of, a lot of people. So, yeah. So, okay. So you're, you were in the wild, wild west. That's what I used to call it back in the day before, before the crash. I mean, it was the wild, wild west. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think the biggest differences from then to now? You know, I mean, I, I think a lot of the changes we have, I, I, I'm in favor of it. You know, even though we right now the housing market's heated up, everybody's concerned about the prices going up so high and what's going to happen in the future. Uh, but, you know, you got to remember everybody, there's a pretty high level of due diligence and being able to qualify for a loan right now. You know, there were people doing some crazy loans back in the day. You know, you didn't have to document the employment, the income, the assets, and they were doing them with a high LTV. You know, some people were doing it 90%, 95%. So there's no skin in the game. And so that's what, you know, led to a lot of the problems in 08, 09 is, is you had people that net, couldn't necessarily afford those payments and they didn't have any equity. And now we're in a spot where, you know, these prudent underwriting guidelines that we have hopefully will you know, prevent something like that on a large scale from happening again. You know, and I, I think it's good. You know, I, I, um, I know there's a lot of opportunities in the QM market. I, I don't personally do any of the, or the, the non-QM, I should say, I don't personally do any of the non-QM stuff. I'm just, I always try to stick to what I'm an expert in, you know, but, um, but that world, I think they're being a little more prudent with what they're doing these days and, you know, wanting to see an equity stake and all that. So hopefully that'll, that'll be good in the future as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, I got two more questions. I know you're extremely busy. I think you're actually going home for the holidays here soon yeah. as well. Um, but I got two questions. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to this entire community about being able to have a sustainable business that has longevity in it? You know, kind of like I mentioned before, keep your overhead low, you know, do it simple, you know, work from home, um, be resourceful. Uh, I didn't have, you know, big old team and all that until recently. And that's just to kind of give myself a little freedom so I can enjoy my life a little bit. But, you know, you might have to do a little bit, bit more work and, but you want to, you don't want to have that huge overhead. So, you know, when you have a slow month, you're stressed out about paying your bills. The other thing I'd recommend, you know, like one of the things I did is, is, you know, I'm super big fan of VA and, and I niched myself on that. And, and it's pretty well known in my marketplace that this is the guy for VA, you know? And so if you can kind of find a niche that you're really, really passionate about and focus on that, you know, it, it's better than kind of being like a smorgasbord. Like I do this and I do that. I do all, all types of loans, you know, and, and um, over time, you know, I feel like if you really, really brand yourself in that niche, that can be a, a great opportunity, you know, and, and especially with the VA side of things, you know, I mean, they're, they're a pretty loyal group of people. People are PCSing, moving in and out all the time. And the buddies like, you know, hook you up with the referrals. So, so that's one thing I would, I would recommend to anybody is, you know, try to carve that niche. You know, the other thing too is try to, um, try to identify, everybody wants to help everybody, you know, you want to close those deals. But when you see a problem up front, when you're talking to a client, don't sugarcoat it. You know, just go through and say, you know, here, this is a challenge. I think this is what's going to be. You need to wait, you know, wait three or four months instead of trying to impress that realtor and only closing 30 or 40% of the deals you take on because you've got all kinds of problem files. You really need to try to prudently, you know, screen that up front. So you're like, this looks like a doable deal and you take it on, you go to the closing table and don't have any issues as opposed to trying to, you know, take some of those super hard files on and have a pipeline full of that because you're going to spend your entire day dealing with fires. Yep. Yep. You, you, I just, I love just coming in, just working, doing my thing, not mm -hmm. worrying, keep continuing to look at files in my pipeline and go, God, they just won't leave. You know what I mean? So no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. So, all right, I got one more question for you that I'm going to let you go. Uh, once again, really appreciative of, of this, of this podcast and what yeah, you're doing sure. for, for our community. So let's just say you have the floor and you want to give 
any piece of advice to everyone out there, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give to whether it's an up and coming, someone who's been in the business 10, 15, 20 years, what's the one piece of advice that Nick would like to tell everyone? You think about that. I would say um, return phone calls. I mean, it's simple, but you know how many people I talk to that are just like, I can't get a hold of my people come to me a lot of times are like, man, I've been trying to get a hold of this loan officer for two days and I can't get any responses and stuff like that. You know, and that's that's like business rule 101. You know, it's get back to people when they leave you a message. You might not be available when they call, but you know, shoot them a text like, hey, I'm not available to talk to you right now. I'll call you here in the next couple hours, you know, and then uh, and deliver what you say. I mean, it goes back to the screening well when you when you start off so there's no surprises deliver what you tell them and close on time every time and that's uh you know it's, it's simple simple stuff but that that'll take you a long way isn't it amazing though like i mean that you're right just return your phone call just return phone calls that's it but like how the simplistic things always last forever you know yeah. what i mean and and, yeah. and keep and, and and helps you throughout whatever type of time we're in Absolutely. It's, I mean, I've, I've seen it over the last 29 years and it's not, it's not rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look at it this way. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a farm boy from Iowa. grew up in a single wide mobile home, you know, so <laughs> a little bit from there. So. Well, perfect. Nick, hey, listen, I, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, I know you're closing a ton of deals and continue to do that, continue to help as many people as you can. So I really appreciate your insights today. Yeah. Appreciate all you're doing for the community too. Awesome. Awesome. So, Brokers, if you want to get caught up in all of our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere else where you can download podcasts. Do me a favor, get in there, subscribe to it, leave a review. It helps us get the podcast out there and spread the words that brokers are better. So Nick, you're one of those and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate it. All right. Join our Brokers Are Better Facebook group. Be a part of the Brokers Are Better movement by joining the exclusive group for A members and independent mortgage brokers to share best practices, network, and help our community grow. Head over to Facebook and search for Brokers Are Better, select the group and click to join.